evidence and answers. As a new school year is upon us, what kind of advice can we give to those families with young adults entering into or returning back to college? How can a Christian remain strong in their faith? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat is interviewing Tommy Joe, a leader who works with different Christian organizations located right there on college campuses. Without delay, here is part one with our host, Pat Zucran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide the compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and provide biblical answers to the challenges Christians face today. Well, many of us are aware of these statistics regarding the high dropout rate of Christian students after their college years. The Christian Post survey indicates that there's about a 90% dropout rate, and the Southern Baptist study shows there's about an 80% dropout rate of students who profess Christ in high school, but abandon their faith after four years of college. Well, how can we turn this around? Well, to help us today is Tommy Joe. Tommy Joe served as the National Executive Director of the EPIC Movement, Campus Crusades Ministry to Asian American students and faculty. Now he has transitioned to partnering and networking with other ministries on campus. But he is a veteran. He has served in the college campus ministry for over 25 years. So here's a man with a lot of experience in college ministry. So, Tommy, welcome to Evidence and Answers. It makes me sound so old when you do that, but uh, thanks, Pat. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> well, Tommy, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in college campus ministry. Yeah, you know, I actually came uh, to campus ministries kind of kicking and screaming. My college days were kind of, you know, vacillating between following the Lord and doing it within the church context, doing the parachurch context, and I found an incredible community that walked me through, made me thrive, I can even say, in college. And even those friends are, are dear, dear friends even today. After I graduated college, which took me more than four years, I crammed uh, seven, four years of college into seven, but that's a different story. <laughs> Many of us did. Um, yeah, you know. But during that time, I felt the Lord calling me into full-time ministry, and I was going to start a ministry with high school students, but the organization that I was going to be working with challenged me to work with college students for two years, and that two years turned into over 25, and so uh, it's been a crazy ride, but I felt the Lord's hand has been kind of involved with every twist and turn of uh, my career with college ministries. Great. You know, the college time is a critical time in a young person's life. That's really when they're away from the influence of their parents, and they're really making some of the biggest decisions of their life and also shaping a lot of their theology and philosophy and worldview independently. And that's when you really begin to take off the jacket that the, your parents gave you, and, you know, the next one you put on is going to be your own. So it's a very critical time when they're making some of the biggest decisions on of their life apart from their parents there. Don't you agree? Yeah, you know, I remember, I, I, I still remember this very vividly in my dorm, facing the window. My roommate wasn't in there yet. I was lying on my bed and thinking that nobody knows me on this campus. And the campus has 36,000 students on it. And I go, nobody really knows that I'm here in my dorm right now, and I can invent myself to whoever I want to be in the next season of life in college. And that, that was actually tremendously weighty on my shoulders, that I could 
have a decision to walk away from Christ, to do the party scene, or to get serious with my faith. And, you know, the, at that when, when, I, when I was kind of dialoguing with myself or with the Lord on that, I think it was uh, kind of a turning point to say, you know what, you can do anything right now. It could be following the Lord or not, and there's nobody's going nobody's gonna to hold your hand. And so this week, as thousands of tens of thousands, of hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of students go into the dorms this week, you know, they're praying that prayer. They're thinking that thought that I could do, I am, nobody knows me anymore. I can do anything. I can be any anybody who I want to be. And these next few years are the huge shaping points of their of their next their next phase of life. Yes, you know, and Tommy, we read of the large number of Christian students abandoning their faith after four years of college. You know, the Christian Post indicated about a 90% dropout rate, Southern Baptist up to about 80%. What do you think contributes to this large percentage of dropouts from the faith? Yeah, there, I think there are two, two thoughts I'd like to consider on that issue of dropouts from the faith. And one is, theologically, God doesn't let us drop out of his faith. I mean, in Romans, we're, we're, we're promised that, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's, it's you know, no, no height, nor depth, nor principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I think many students that kind of wander will stray for a while, but the Lord still has a grip on their hearts. And, and that's something that we as church leaders and pastors and parents especially need to take comfort in that, that, yeah, this might be a tough time of phase in their life, but the Lord still is, is holding dearly to his beloved. And, and I take great, actually, cheery thinking about that, take great solace in that as, as Christian students uh, come, come on campus. Well, there's a whole other side of non-Christian students that I'd like to talk about later, but that's another issue where they also have that, that ability to be faced with a huge decision in their life like never before because of that parental and community pressure is not about them. But the second thing I think I'd like to understand about that statistic of 90% or 80% dropping out of church, my question is, are they actually dropping out of the faith, or are they not returning to the churches that they were sent from? And I think that there's a big difference between dropping out of the faith versus not returning to the church that you grew up in. Because we're finding a great deal of students that enter our ministries and I can't give you numbers per se, but they we want them to be active in their college years and after their their college experience into local churches, and we partner with churches to to do that. But I think what happens is that many people who grow up in a in a church situation go away for a few years. They're affirmed as leaders. They're mentored. They're discipled, and it's hard for them to return back to their home churches because they're not seen as adults. And they're given tremendous leadership opportunities in industry and their internships, but at their local church, they're kind of still viewed as little, little Pat, little Patrick, or little mm-hmm. Tommy. He's still there, and they're not affirmed, and so there's no place for them. So they actually leave their home churches and go to a place where they can be affirmed. And so we do see a lot of churches grow in a, in the area where they're affirming young adult, fresh grads, and those churches grow very rapidly. And some of the old some I shouldn't say old because that's my church, but some of the more traditional churches that don't know how to utilize them have lost their lost their uh, their young adults coming coming back from college, and that's maybe some people have coined that the silent exodus. So, yes, many people have a decision to make when they go into college whether they're going to follow Jesus or not. I think if they don't, more times I've seen them wander and then boom, rain back into the faith. 
And then there's a second part where the, a lot of the people that are, quote-unquote, not in the church anymore, they're not at your church anymore, but they're still in the kingdom serving someplace. And th- that's a number hard to track. It's hard to keep those statistics. Well, you bring up a really good point on that second issue. You know, I remember I was a leader with Campus Crusade. I was given a lot of responsibility, and we, and we did a great job. But yes, when I came back home to my home church here in Hawaii, yeah, I was seen as, you know, still uh, a youth or something, and I was not allowed to really exercise my leadership skills and the things that uh, I had really grown and developed in the college years. And that was frustrating. I had to go elsewhere to really serve and uh, contribute to the body of Christ that I, that I really wanted to do after I graduated. You bring up a great point. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, my, my home church, I've been there for, you know, almost 20 years now. I've only been to two churches in my lifetime in terms of what I, places where I'd call home, and it was because I moved. I don't tend to bounce around too much. But my church right now is really experiencing the, the windfall of enfolding uh, young adults after they graduate into the church, and the church is growing in that sector, and it's really exciting to see. And I know some of my other church friends, pastors, denominations have really, again, experienced that exodus. And I think it, it's, it's, it's really hard or it's really crucial for our current leadership to expand ministry for incoming leaders to lead at a high level. And because they've experienced great stuff and they're chomping at the bit to do ministry and worship and evangelism and discipleship and let them develop ministries that we've never thought of in the, in the, in the classic church anymore. Well, now you also talk about how students may wander when they get there on the college campus. Expand on that a little bit. What happens when they arrive at the college campus as a believer in Christ? Yeah, no more mommy and daddy to hold your hand, no more youth director, no more youth group. Again, they can redefine themselves. And I've had, you know, some of my students do that, that they've walked away and they've gone down the road of perdition because of entrapments of the world. And, you know, it's it's a battlefield. It is a spiritual battlefield that Satan is, I could say, just as active as the missionaries are on the campus in terms of pulling people away. But, you know, we do have the upper hand that the Holy Spirit is in them working, but I think students, as kind of Dallas Willard said, that the eardrums get thickened as they don't hear the voice of God anymore, and they, as they continue to continue to walk in a in a road of partying or whatever it may be, and so you know the pressures to be belong to something vis-a-vis you know fraternities and sororities or sports groups, you know if you get into a crowd that accepts them and embraces them, they can get pulled away from the faith very easily socially. And therefore, it's important for other ministries to be able to, to offer that type of true community for them. Now, there's a couple couple examples when you walk on campus to see how that has played out. It's when you go down and you go through, you know, the, the walkway, whatever your university walkway is, all the different groups that are putting out flyers come to this club and this, that, and the other. And Or when you arrive on campus, when you drop off your kids, you know, this, this happened at, at Old Miss this week where it said, you know, drop off your daughters here, and there's another sign right next to it. Oh, might as well drop off your mothers, too. And, you know, that's the kind of environment <laughs> that we send these kids into, and it's tough. So they're faced right on with open sexuality that they've never experienced before, access to people that are a couple years older than them, so their drinking age is lowered. I mean, de facto lowered. It's, it's, it's you know, if you, want to, if you want to get drunk, it's easy to do. And then you know, the loneliness that students have when they go on campus. If they're accepted by a group, they're going to get accepted. I have one story about that where 
one of our ministry supporters, she went to a campus and, you know, she got caught up in drugs. She was not a believer at the time. She got caught up in drugs and, you know, in order to pay for her drug habit, she didn't have a lot of money. So she basically sold her body, if I could say it that way, or traded her body for drugs. And she completely fell into the the one group that would accept her on campus. And that group were stoners and drug addicts. And that's who she was accepted by. And she didn't find a Christian group at that time. Uh, and the reason why she's a supporter of our ministry now is because when she finally came to faith right after college, she didn't want that to ever happen again to people, uh, for them not to have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. So sometimes the most accepting groups on campus, if I could painfully say that, are the, the, the non-believing community. And so we have to step up our game as believers. So competition is huge, a spiritual competition, you know, social competition, relational competition. Those are huge factors of drawing people away from uh, walking with Jesus. Yeah, you know, the college campus atmosphere, morally and spiritually, has really changed since the days you and I were on campus. You know, now you have co-ed dorms where guys and girls are right next door to each other. You know, it's not the guy's dorm is here and the girl's dorm is here. I mean, they're living yeah. right next to each other in the same building. And in several campuses, they share the same bathroom and things. Yeah. There are abortion clinics on campus. Uh, your yep. freshman kit often has condoms and all these other yep. things in there. So uh, it's really changed since the days when you and I were there. Uh, explain a little bit more about that. There's a lot of temptation there as it seems the moral codes have really yeah. which have freed up or declined over the years. Well, yeah, I, I debate with that in my own mind. So one, I think when we grew up, we had the concept, should we kiss on the first date? I mean, that was the big thing, and now it's a completely different debate today, right, as, as we would understand it socially. It's not kissing on the first date. It's completely different. Right. Now, I think that's a, 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 that's a what do you call it, a uh, perception out there that of college students, how free things are sexually, access to the party scene. But you know what? I'm not naive to the fact that, you know, I grew up in the 80s. My brothers and sisters grew up in the 70s, and that was the whole sexual revolution, the drug culture. And so Satan, Satan was alive and well in the 60s and 70s and 80s, too. And, but I think the, the acceptance of it is different today. So in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it was countercultural to be that. Today, it's normative. And that's the scary part, where they don't even realize their lifestyle might be contrary to God's design. And I think that's maybe the scary part. So all things are, all lifestyles are created equal. And if you say something about that, you're judged as a person who is not tolerant. And there's where I think, that's how I think today's society is different. Not so much that the, that the opportunity is different, but the social acceptance of those opportunities is radically different. I see. Now, tell us also, what's the academic atmosphere like generally on these public university campuses? Uh, good question, because my kid's going to be in college next year, and we're doing college apps right now. So, But actually, there is the polarity of the party scene that always is, but there's a high pressure now. Uh, because college is so much more expensive per capita or per dollar, per family dollar, to go to school, the competition to get into school is higher. I think the stress to be in school and to perform well is there. So you're having top-notch, high-stress kids in college, and some of them 
completely get their life warped as a result of pursuing academics and not maintain the big picture of of community, of family, of faith in terms of that balance side. So some kids are, you know, the demands are extremely high, very competitive. If you mess up academically, you might not get back into the university system and you have to go to a, a junior college for a few years until you tune it back up and then you can get back in. In our day, you can come in and come out. It wasn't it wasn't so you know it wasn't so bad, but now it's very fierce comp- competitively, very fierce academically in terms of the competition. Yeah, you know, and also when I was on the university campus, it was dominated by the naturalistic worldview and many of the ideas that were being promoted, whether in psychology or in the sciences or in literature, were really hostile to the Christian faith. But still, they allowed those of us of the Christian faith to voice and express our particular views. What I'm seeing today on campus is that there's a bit more hostility to those of the Christian worldview. Are you finding that on the university campuses? Yeah, one of the things that I I really feel for the the university campus is that they want to do the right thing legally. They're not there to, to do anything illegal in terms of access to campus. And so they've been they've set some policies thinking that this is the best way to handle access is to if if Christians have a certain view on a moral issue that they're not allowed to come on campus because it goes against other moral issues. So the university wants to do the right thing, but sometimes by them doing the right thing excludes specifically organizations of faith to have access. And we've gotten pulled both ways on multiple campuses in which we've been actually uh, asked to to not to not be a part of the campus community or their associate students and you know we've waited patiently we've looked at the law we modified our constitutions and been allowed to be on campus and in, in the most places in some campuses they still do not allow uh, christian groups to be on campus if you have a certain view there was a recent supreme court ruling with i can't even think of the name right now but that ruled in favor of private schools banning campus groups if they don't don't sign a non-discrimination policy. And some other campuses around the country responded to that to not allow, to, to do the same thing, that they couldn't they couldn't participate if they didn't, form, didn't sign a non-discrimination policy. However, our campus groups want to work with campus groups, with the university. We want to be a blessing to the university. So we've done all we could, and we are doing all we can to be a positive influence on campus. And that's allowed us to still be on campus. Now, Tommy, you know, what are some of the dangers that the Christian students should be aware of on the college campus? You mentioned several of them. What are some of the significant minefields that they should be aware of? Well, there's good old sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, that's kind of the old term for us, how we dealt with it. But I think, the again, the openness to that, and it's not an issue of that's countercultural, that's part of the culture, I think that's the most dangerous thing. So... You know, I think students can easily walk into the party life and not realize it's a destructive part. I think that it's great to party. I think it's good to party. I think you want to be with people who are believers and non-believers in a social atmosphere. I'm not approved in that way. But I think you can get easily taken off your track if you kind of stray from, I don't know, just get lost in that. So that's still, that existed in, in the, that's existed since time on college. Some predatory groups on campus that I would honestly say they preach a different gospel. They claim to be Christians, they claim to be followers of Jesus, but they're not. And they're very subtle. 
and they're very crafty at uh, what they do. And I don't think they think that they're doing something wrong. I think that they're genuine. I'm not judging them for their their zealousness. I just question the theology. And and what happens is say they establish a name uh, of a group on campus, and uh, the campus sees that they're on campus. The campus doesn't like that group. So one thing that can happen is they throw out all groups because all groups that are religious are bad. Or another problem could be that they throw out that one group, which usually happens is the case, and that one group cannot participate. And then a few years later or the next semester, they'll change their name to a different group and same practices, but they're very predatory. And those types of groups will prey on students who are lonely, students that are disengaged, students that are looking or seeking, and they'll put things in their head that are works-oriented or very mind-controlly or, you know, you can lose your salvation or damnation if you don't follow our group. And those groups uh, are prolific on campus. So, you know, I, I, I want the freedom for students to choose whatever ministry they want to choose on, but it's not such a bad thing to be a part of some of the bigger name brand churches or churches or, or ministry groups like InterVarsity or Navigators or Campus Crusade or Crew, you know, Asian American Christian Fellowship, just so you can have some brand, you know, uh, brand recognition on those fellowships. But, you know, just be careful. I think students need to be very aware of the type of group they go into. And they're telling you to, you know, forsake your parents or that church is bad or that fellowship is bad. I, I My antenna go up and I worry about that. So there's a whole spiritual dynamic of aberrant groups on campus that are huge landmines. Yeah, you know, I did my master's thesis on the International Church of Christ, or they were also once known as the Boston Movement. They were one of the biggest movements on campus, and indeed they were a very, what we call, abusive kind of group, very controlling, authoritarian kind of group, but they came off very attractive and, you know, even uh, allowed students to move into the dorms their dorms, you know, free of charge, as long as you live the life of a totally committed disciple, which meant totally committed to their organization. And yes. so that is definitely one of the dangers there on campus, for sure. Yep. They change your name often, too, so we don't yes. know who they are from semester to semester. Yes. Now, you also talked about an openness to sexual activity, and we know that there's a high rate of sexual activity on the university campuses now. You know, I remember students uh, telling me in their orientation they had to watch a skit, which seems to be the standard skit on university campuses all around the country. And it's usually four students there in a dorm room, one who finally comes out and, you know, professes to be gay, the other one who's a nymphomaniac, the other one who's a partier, and then the Christian there. And the Christian is often put in a very bad light where he's condemning everyone. And the other three are seen as, you know, more open. And, uh, you know, this is what the college campus is all about. And the Christian is very condemning of the others. And the skit usually ends with the Christian walking out very angry. And the others are, you know, really hurt emotionally as, as to the things that he or she said. And at the end, the professor will come out and often say, you know, we're at a university campus, and you need to be open to everyone and non-judgmental of the lifestyles and values of the people that are here. And the skit kind of ends like that with the, seems to be the attempt to really, uh, what shall we say, erase the biblical 
or moral values that students have and to really get them to accept them and be more open to other lifestyles and leave their Christian values behind. Be sure to join us next time for the conclusion of Pat's interview with Tommy Joe regarding staying Christian at college. We hope you enjoyed the show today. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available for you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh,